Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald Glass. We're coming right back at you here. Thanks so much for watching and listening. We truly appreciate it. Always could use a five-star review, thumbs up, and a subscribe. It helps us out. It really does. Yes, it does. As we go ahead and also show our wares to over 30 radio stations around the world. So we truly appreciate everyone out there watching and listening. He is back in the saddle with me once again. Good man indeed. You got to check him out whenever he's here or the Lakers fast break. It is TJ Johnson and TJ, my friend, the pop culture guru that you are. <laughs> much to discuss for today on some random topics. We're going to take as much time as you want, much time as you need. So I want to hear your thoughts on this. We will be discussing at some point in time some other subjects, including Mass Effect, maybe Last of Us. Well, you know we are going to talk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I got an idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But first off, my friend, I want to ask you real quick. Resident Evil 4 has been remade mm-hmm. for game systems that's coming up here in the not-too-distant future. In fact, next week, the end of next week, week perhaps. Yeah. The advanced word is incredible that we have, again, another remake, reimagining, whatever you want to call it, Dead Space. Mm-hmm. Metroid Prime and now Resident mm-hmm. Evil 4 all tremendous reviews mm-hmm. for these games. Has it come to the point where we are seeing these video game companies now being able to go ahead with the technology that's given to them really understand how to remake and re-envision a video game from the past they're able to go ahead and bring out the best in these classic video games me because there was a time in the late teens where we were starting to see every single game seemingly that's out there being remade and redone to wildly different effects as far as it was good or not good being effective and not effective i really didn't think they had a handle on it these video game companies for the large part but now it seems that we're hitting home run after home run after home run with all these remakes that have come out this year. To me, it seems like we finally hit a sweet spot on the companies themselves, the larger companies themselves, investing time and worthwhile resources and money into creating these experiences and bringing them to life as they were intended to in the first place. Oh, absolutely. Uh, first and foremost, Joe, as always, thank you for having me on. Um, always glad to have things. you here. <laughs> couple things. So first, uh, yeah, Resident Evil 4 looks incredible. I played the Chainsaw demo on my Steam Deck. I played it on my uh, Xbox Series X. Plays incredible, looks incredible. Um, yes, Capcom has done it again. And I'd almost venture to say that, you know, this started back at Resident Evil 2 when they remastered Resident Evil 2. And that came out on the newer consoles and even got the upgrade uh, to the Series X and PS5 versions of the game. Uh, Phenomenal. Uh, Resident Evil 3, maybe maybe a bit of a step backwards, but not for the reasons that, not because it didn't look good or present itself well, but just because it was already a a much shorter game and they're paying full prices for it. So from a marketing standpoint, that was a bit of a setback. But it wasn't a setback as far as the gameplay mechanics or the way that the story was presented. I think what we're coming to understand now is that nostalgia sells right and we already knew that we were i know that i I tend to favor stories from back in the day and i I feel like they can't tell them 
they 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 can't come up with new stuff because uh, a lot of the old stuff is some of the best stuff still. Uh, with that being said, and as you alluded to, the technology is now caught up with the vision of the creators. And with that technology catching up, they're truly able to deliver on the promises that were kind of given, uh, the promises that were kind of thrown out there uh, when these games came out. Now, obviously, the technology at the time was very uh, limited, and they did the best they could with what they had to work with. But now, in this day and age, with the advances of technology, they really can truly tell these immersive stories that allow us to get caught up in uh, the, the stories once again. So, yes, they found a sweet spot because now they're to the point where they can actually match up with what they're wanting to put out there as far as the, uh, the project is concerned. Uh, now, as you alluded to, uh, Dead Space, another rematch that was well-received, well done. Um, now Resident Evil 4, from what I'm seeing as far as the early reviews, we're talking 10 out of 10s. IGN gave yeah. it a 10 out of 10. I think GameSpot gave at least a 9 or a 10. Uh, I mean, it's getting phenomenal reviews across the board. Um, so I don't think the remake train is going to stop anytime soon. However, we also know that Resident Evil 5, Resident Evil 6 were not as well received as Resident Evil <laughs> 2 or 3 or 4. So it would be interesting to see if they do decide to go and redo Resident Evil 4. I'm not sorry, 5, 6, or uh, not 7, but 5 or 6. Or even if they decide to redo Resident Evil 1, as opposed to jumping from 2 to 3 to 4, maybe they'll go back and redo 1. Uh, but yeah, phenomenal, phenomenal reviews, phenomenal uh, gameplay from what I've been able to do. Um, being able to, and even when they remastered it back in 2011, I want to say, for the then gen consoles uh it's still handled like a you know leon still didn't handle quite as smoothly as we like him to he still handled like a tank so mm -hmm. now being able to play with them now and you know being able to aim and move at the same time who knew how much of a difference it would have really made back in resident evil 4 but it's actually it's it's a breath of fresh air man it is, it's 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 pretty darn good just the demo i played was phenomenal so so we you know what it reminds me of it reminds me of that period of time in the 90s when George Lucas had thought he had had the point where he had the technology up where he wanted to, where he could re-envision the Star Wars trilogy, the original mm -hmm. Star Wars trilogy, to his satisfaction. Mm -hmm. And the results of it were still, even after that point, kind of mixed, you know, if you saw what his right. vision is. Right. In fact, there's a lot of people out there who will only see his vision later on and not the original what it was all about. Uh, if you check out, you know, Disney Plus or if you check out a various uh, original trilogy, Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, you will never actually get to see the original versus what he envisioned at that time as far as what he put into it. I wish he would have waited if he really wanted to do it a little bit more time to where mm. technology caught up even further. Who knows what if what a re-envisioned Star Wars would have been like if he had actually made it in 2020 uh, as opposed to 1990 as far as the upgrades or whatever he made it was what mid 1990s or something like that. But you know, it just it seems like the technology is now catching up to where we can go ahead and respectfully. Yes. Go in with a team, not a, a team that's like a side team or a small team or an in, you know, like, like a smaller team or anything of that nature that's really not able or capable to do the job, but 
really quality teams, you go in there, really flesh out these these games from the past that really people love and admire so much and be able to bring it out for a new audience because that's the ultimate mm-hmm. idea it's not just bringing out for you who played it originally exactly it, it's to bring it out and make it approachable for gen zers and then uh people that are teen, teenagers right now that that are would would normally just you know back off from all oh, that's my dad's or that's my grandfather's or grandmother's or mother's right. video right. game and they would don't want to touch it because they think because oh it has 16 or 32 bit technology it's not going to look good to them and you know they just can't get past that right and and they don't will never understand what it what it took to you know for us to enjoy the game why we enjoyed these games back then They'll never understand why, but now they have the chance to do so because it's being fleshed out and created in a way that is so much more appealing to a newer audience. You know, absolutely, Jared. I think you hit all the the nails right on the head. And what's going to be fun about that is, you know, it's almost like us watching The Last of Us, people that have played the game versus people who haven't played the game but are experiencing the story for the first time. It's going to be fun to be able to experience these stories again um, in a in a medium and in a way that's going to be palatable for this newer generation, um, but it's still our stories. So now we get to explain. Um, you know, it's like when they when they remastered Mass Effect. Um, it was it was a breath of fresh air being able to go back and kind of have updated controls to go back and play the original Mass Effect. Um, anytime you want to play the original, you had to go back and it almost seemed archaic trying to play the game again after having. Mass Effect 2 turned into more of a cover-based shooter and kind of the same thing with Mass Effect 3. It was hard to go back and play Mass Effect 1. So when that remaster came out and now people got to actually enjoy the story for what it was because when it first came out, Mass Effect was not a huge hit. It was it was well enough to obviously garner sequels, uh, but it wasn't a huge hit. It didn't develop a cult following until later. Um, so being able to go back and play that game and have it updated so that people can actually enjoy it is a big deal. So same concept with these current remasters, um, being able to do it so people can enjoy it now and experience the stories that we all know are great, we all come to love and uh, appreciate over the years. Now they get to turn around and do the exact same thing. And uh, it, it, it does nothing but just advance the medium, advance the uh, advance the genre, advance the, the industry that much more forward. I think what we're seeing is a bit of a renaissance in single player content and a bit of a decline in live service uh, multiplayer, which is funny because not too long ago, they were saying that the single player game was dead and that multiplayer yeah. was, was, was where it was going. What the truth is single player is not dead. You just need uh, a, a good story, uh, a great atmosphere. There's so many things that encompass a good game, music, atmosphere, uh, gameplay mechanics, storytelling. Um, there's so much that goes into that that it's, it's hard to nail it. Um, it, it. Obviously, it's not easy to nail it. So when they do, it, it goes to show you that there's still, a, there's still a desire for that type of content. It's just a matter of being told the right way um, with the right team, the right gameplay mechanics, the right cinematics, the right atmosphere, the right music. It's all got to line up still, but there's still definitely a thirst for it, for sure. Absolutely. So it's just something I wanted to bring up to your attention because I noticed the trend in 2023 has been amazing for these games that are being refreshed and brought back to life. And, you know, once we thought 
early on when they started to do them in, in mass numbers, we thought they were money grabs. And yes, they are still money grabs. Oh, absolutely. That says, yeah. yeah. So, but now they're enjoyable experiences that can be brought out and be proudly represented to not only, again, individuals like us, which <clears throat> won't just say, oh, it's it's not the old game. It's not the old way of doing it. Doesn't have the old look. I can't touch it. You know, I don't want to really want to play right. it. We're we're beyond that now, as far as gamers are concerned. But also bring it out to a younger audience can say, you know what, that looks pretty cool. I may give that a try. Yeah. No, absolutely, man. I I think it's a great way to bridge the gap, and I, I think it's just going to, as I said earlier, propel the industry uh, forward. Um, I do think that there are many grabs, but I also understand it, and I know we're probably looking more at, at games like The Last of Us, uh, where it was just redone and then they turned around and redid it again. Um, money grab, maybe a little bit, but I also understand that there's more resources that get poured into this. So yes. that means that there's more time and energy and effort and that stuff costs. So They're almost like creating new games from the ground up. They, they, they are creating them from the ground. Now, granted, they have a new, they have a storyboard already and they have a, a, an idea of cinematography and how they want to present the story. Uh, but as far as gameplay mechanics and um, different textures and, and, and level designs, that stuff's new. So I, I do believe that as gamers, we need to pay for that type of content, especially if we want to keep showing them that that's what we want. We want single player content. We want games that we can truly immerse ourselves in and, and, it doesn't have to be a live service game or something. We have to shell out, you know, twenty dollars to to redo a player or whatever the case may be. Uh, we want good single player content, and, and that means we're going to have to pay for it. And if that means that we have to pay for a game that we've paid for three or four times already, as long as it's a updated game and it truly does give the value that we're looking for, I'm okay with that. I spent top dollar on the Last of Us remake, um, and I spend money on the remastered before playstation was giving it away um i, I bought the last of us at least three and or four essentially times it was a remake of a remake <laughs> yeah yeah so, so I, I bought it three or four times but i'm i'm okay with that because the 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 level of immersion is getting that much better um each and every time and the game is 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 good enough the, the gameplay is good enough where I'm, I'm i'm willing to spend that kind of money every gamer does not look at it that same way I recognize the fact that it takes effort and energy and resources to do that. So I'm okay giving them, I'm, I'm okay giving them my money as long as they're going to keep putting out content that, that we're looking for. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. For the latest news and information, analysis and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, I'm on with TJ Johnson, my good friend, and also a great part of what we do here at the Pop Culture Cosmos and the Lakers Fast Break. One thing I wanted to ask you is, seeing the box office this weekend, Shazam, <laughs> and uh, Fury of the Gods, Yeah, it's uh, unfortunately getting mediocre reviews at best, but also not opening very well at all. Opened at around $30 million domestically. It's going to probably eke out maybe $50 million worldwide, which yeah. is you know well behind what the first one did. And for a series that reminds me in a lot of ways of DC's version of Ant-Man, where it mm -hmm. may not be beloved by 
a large audience, but it's beloved by the individuals behind the scenes enough to go ahead and keep on bringing out more and more iterations of it. It's like, you know, maybe with Ant-Man, we can now look on it in hindsight. It's like, okay, was anybody in the general audience really asking for it? No, but Marvel, the interior, if you ask them who is one of their, to a man and to a person, to a woman, to a person, who is their favorite character? They would probably say Ant-Man would probably be leading the charge or right up there. So that's probably one of the reasons why Ant-Man has been pushed to three different iterations. Now we have, and you saw the disappointing me from numbers from that. And now you have Shazam, which didn't do great the first time around, seemingly got greenlit for a sequel, and now is here and doing disappointing numbers again. Part of it, I think, is because of just the fact that people didn't want to see another Shazam, and it just interior-wise at DC, they still want to produce, they still have so much of a love for this character, and I can understand why he has his charm, but I think it just, in way, it just it was not appealing for a large mass audience, but now you have a situation where you have these films for the next two years they're like dead on arrival yeah. because you don't see a future for these films. Why am I going to go ahead and cash this on the theater and spend $40, $50 with my family or more on a type of film like this, which I know will not pay off in any way, shape, or form down the long run because of the fact that we already know James Gunn is going to completely blow up what we're seeing now for the next two years. You know, I, I, I agree with you and I, we kind of talked about this yeah. before, um, but it's being it proven on the. On it's right now. Yeah. It's being proven in the numbers. Absolutely, absolutely. It's it's dead on arrival, and I, I really, I would have rather had seen them just release this to HBO Max. To be honest yes. with you, um, agreed. I I don't see the point. I don't see what they're going to. I don't I don't know what they're trying to prove, um, but we 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 knew this was coming. We collectively knew that this is going to be the way it was going to be perceived. It's just a, it's just a, a, a stop. And it's really disappointing because people put a lot of hard work into these, uh, into these movies. And, and I, I get that, but we also know that ultimately things have to change. And we knew that there was going to be a lot of change with James Gunn taking over the lead, uh, taking over the position that he did and wanted to move forward with the changing of the guards as he does uh, in regards to the people who are going to be playing these superheroes. So we, we knew it was coming. I think that they should have just released it to HBO Max um, and called it a day. And any other projects that they're supposed to have between Aquaman, Lost Kingdom, whenever that comes out, or um, I think there's Aquaman, and I think that's the last one, right? But obviously, besides Flash, we know Flashpoint is coming out. Well, there's some animated features and some other things that they mixed in that are kind of like what that that hybrid of the DC universe. It's not mm -hmm. exactly James Gunn's DC universe. It's like it's not an Elsewhere project. It's kind of like in the middle. Uh, of course, there's Constantine as well with Keanu right. Reeves. That's still a go at this point in time. So right. there's like two years worth of stuff before we even get close to the James Gunn now announcing he's going to direct the next Superman movie. So right. I don't know. I, to me, it just seems like, again, it comes all down to it. I would have actually never announced what's upcoming as far as the slate is concerned. Let no. these movies flesh themselves out, put the flash on the back end of it all, 
wipe it all clean, and then you could start fresh from there. That just seemed like so rudimentary and rudimentary and <laughs> fundamentally sound. And it just seems like a, what, what you do, but no, you got to throw the flash out here. How are you going to clear out what's going on in the DC universe if you got Aquaman behind it, if you've got Constantine behind it, if you've got the Joker and the Batman movies? Let all those movies play out first, then do the Flash, and then start from there. Well, I think that they were in a bit of a uh, a no-win scenario. Mm. And what I mean by that is that, obviously, when it was made public that James Gunn um, was now co-president of the DCEU and was going to be the one of the driving forces behind it to be more of the, like the Kevin Feige of the Marvel, if you will, everybody's going to want to know what's next. And then obviously you had Henry Cavill that had came out right, right before that had said that he was back as Superman. And this is when the whole press thing for black Adam was going and the rock was full tilt. The hierarchy of power in the DC universe is about to change, blah, 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 blah. There was a lot of talk. Right. And so when James Gunn comes in, obviously that's going to upend some of that stuff. And people are already going to be nervous. So you have the HBO discovery deal merger deal that's going through that people are already eh about and then you got james gunn taking over the dcu which people are excited about but they also want to know okay well what is it that you're going to do what is it that you're going to bring and then you still got aquaman flash batman uh henry cavill just now saying that he was going to be back as superman all these different things that are being announced and everybody's like okay well time out now with James Gunn taking over, what is James Gunn going to do? So I, I don't think he had much of a choice but to show his hand um, because of the amount of pressure HBO is probably under, um, especially, again, with this merger coming in the pipeline. They were under, I'm sure, immense pressure to get something out there to say, okay, this is what we're going to do to kind of right this ship because it was a wally, it, it was kind of just an okay corral out there. Everybody was kind of doing their own thing and you didn't really know. So I, I, I agree with you. I wish they wouldn't have. But I also understand they probably didn't have a choice. Um, I would have much rather have been like, okay, yep, I'm here. As Jam if I'm James Gunn, I'm here. We're gonna let these play out, and then we'll talk about our plan moving forward after that. However, they spend that kind of money, and now with the merger coming, it, it, it's hard to it's it's hard to imagine that they weren't pressured and to say, hey, you got to tell us something because uh, we've got investors that want to know. We've got people that are behind this that need to know exactly what's going on. Um, so we we need something out of you. Now, I'm hearing rumors that we might not be out of the Snyderverse yet because Zack Snyder just recently tweeted out, I'm sure you were going to talk about it, but Zack Snyder just recently tweeted out um, a image in regards to Darkseid. And I think the tweet said something to the effect of um, like still to come or something, something where essentially he's teasing a, a a return of dark side and a return essentially of the Snyderverse. How that's going to happen, I'm not 100% sure, but I'd imagine it would go something along the lines of them allowing other streaming platforms to stream some of these films, uh, allowing maybe Netflix to pick up the Snyderverse, maybe allowing um, Hulu to pick, you know, just, just different, different avenues, different ways of streaming, and all this not being connected to the main DCU, but still allowing the opportunity for the fans that have put in time and effort with Zack Snyder and his Snyderverse to see how this plays out, see how it plays through. I think that's a great idea. But saying that to say, it it can become confusing. 
uh, especially when the first message that we're getting is that Snyderverse is over. Next message we're getting is that, okay, well, maybe not. And then Ben Affleck is done as Batman. Okay, maybe he's not done as Batman. Henry Cavill is, is not going to be returning as this version of Superman, but they're saying that they're leaving the door open for other projects with Henry Cavill. Well, if Henry Cavill was Superman, the DC universe prior to, and now you're leaving the door open for other projects with Henry Cavill, then that's still showing me that he's not been fired as Superman. He just wasn't picked for this particular version of Superman. So they're very non-committal with their responses. Um, so they're saying a lot while not saying anything, uh, which is very, very tricky for them to be able to pull off, but they've been doing it very, very well. So I'm curious now where we go with this Snyderverse and if they continue moving it forward, if they continue to even allow it to be a thing, how they're going to pull it off. Are they going to go to a different Netflix? Are they going to go to a different network? Are they going to go to a different uh, streaming in general? So we'll, we'll see. The, one of the things, though, that has emanated from this, just this continued talk in regards to the Snyderverse, because people just won't let it go. If people were as adamant about this then as they mm-hmm. are now, the Snyderverse would have made a ton of money and we never would have had this issue of changing over to James Gunn in the first place. It's just so funny, man, because now we got Ben Affleck talking again about it because he just recently said he was opposed to what rumors that were out there. He will not ever direct a DC movie under the auspices of James Gunn as what was rumored that was actually the opposite. And then now you have a situation where Ben Affleck was saying that he loves the what came out of the Snyder cut and in regards to the response from it, but making the actual Justice League movie was monstrous for him and, and led to much more of an alcohol problem issue for him as far as drinking is concerned. So, yeah, it was really not even though it ultimately the the. Snyder cut has worked out well for him. He doesn't want any more part of it outside of the, what now he said, five minute cameo that he has <laughs> in the upcoming flash movie. Thanks for spoiling it for us. Right. Thanks so, so much. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I just think at this point in time that DC, it just can't stand to get out of its own way. Yeah. It really, all these upcoming movies, I, I only really want to see now Constantine because it seems now that that's just, I would just want to see Keanu Reeves in the role, but all these movies upcoming are like dead on arrival. They're mm-hmm. like, okay, we already know that they don't have a future beyond whatever it is. I mean, this will probably be the last Joker, no matter how much money it makes. The Batman movie might make a third one, but it's not going to be part of the James Gunn universe. So really, why do you need to go ahead and, and really try hard to watch it? Mm-hmm. And and you have all these other movies like Aquaman. It was a million dollar movie its first time around. Why do you need to go out to the theaters and watch it when you know it's not going to lead to anything other than Jason Momoa playing something else in the DC universe. I mean, that's because that's what's rumored and that's what has been talked about is that mm-hmm. he will not be Aquaman in the James Gunn universe. He'll be something else in the DC universe, which I know a lot of people are pretty adamantly upset about, but he's excited yeah. about. So I yeah. don't know. It just seems like, you know, they've, they've, it's they've messy. Really, they, they can't get out of their yeah. own way. The answer yeah. was there. We've described as far as what they needed to do. Just didn't want to listen to us and go and said, you know what? We're going to go ahead and do something else, and we're going to go ahead and make sure we have it convoluted still so that anybody that's out there that's not really in tune to the DC Universe 
can totally not understand still what the hell is going on. You know, and the unfortunate truth to that is that Marvel really did start something and they really kind of changed the way we receive media now. And what I mean by that is they've made it where it's kind of a necessity to have this whole world be connected. Everything has to be connected. Every movie has to tie into a bigger overarching theme. Every show has to represent something else from the movie that they couldn't represent. Like there's there's all this interconnectivity that has to happen now. And it's very, very difficult to plan all that kind of stuff. But what's even more, I imagine, difficult is not allowing these stories to just be random stories. So like when they have Elseworld stories for DC, nobody's going to really want to care because it's not the main story, right? How do you become invested in the story that ultimately is not going to pay out anything more than just that story? When back in the day, we'd go to the movies and you didn't know if you were going to get a sequel or a third or a saga, if you will. Sometimes you just went to the movies and it was one movie and that was it. I would have been completely fine with John Wick if John Wick ended at John Wick. Now we got John Wick two, three, and we and 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 four, and I'm hearing that four is the best out of all of them. So yes. obviously it was the right decision, and 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 I get that. But my point is, at some point you have to be willing to tell a story and end it. We've been so deconditioned to not accept that anymore, and to always look for this overarching theme and this overarching element, and how does this tie into this movie? Because we've been conditioned to do that for the last, you know, almost 15 years at this point with Marvel. So it's very difficult to break away our thinking that that's the way it should go. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. Okay, let's say you're at a party. You and I are at a party, we're hanging out, we're having a good time, we're those two generic dudes that are just sitting there with a cup in the hands, just going, yeah, yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah. All right. And, you know, somebody comes up, or a group of people come up, you're just general fans and whatnot, hey, you guys are the pop culture experts, you guys are on Cosmos every week and all that, you know, you guys are <laughs> set out to radio stations all over the world, blah, 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 podcast, blah, 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 and can you guys explain what's going on with DC? Can you guys go ahead and, and just give us an explanation on it? Because if you tried to, you sat down with them and you talked to them and I tried to go ahead and, and elaborate what's going on. <laughs> you know, you have that gif of the guy's head exploding. It's just, it's so hard right now to go ahead and say they're doing the right thing because James Gunn's, you know, talked about, oh, we're just going to go wipe it away clean and we're going to start fresh from there. You're not actually doing that. You're nope, still you're trying to have your cake and eat it too. And it's, it's truthfully, it's a bit arrogant to come in and just say you're going to come in and wipe the slate completely clean and start completely from scratch. Because truth be told, people are passionate about these films, whether they do well critically or whether they do well from a box office standpoint, you still have a vocal audience who's very, very, very passionate 
about these films. You have a vocal artist who's very, very passionate about the Snyderverse. You have a vocal artist who's very, very passionate about these characters in DC. So it, it's it's a little arrogant to say I'm just going to come in and wipe the entire thing clean when the truth be told is you have people that really do care about these characters and care about these actors and care about these stories that have already started to be told and they want to see how this stuff finishes out. So James Gunn definitely has a task ahead of him. Hopefully he's up to it. Um, and I, I keep I, I keep thinking that we owe him an opportunity just to, to, to see it through. He's He's done well with what he's had to work with so far, but he definitely has a tall task ahead of him and they've mucked it up so much recently over the last five, 10 years that it's going to take some, some digging to get out of this. But I think if there's any person that's up to it, James Gunn is up to it. I hope so. But yeah, right now it's still, you're, <laughs> it's you're just tough. trying to tell, if you're trying to tell the, what's going on in the DC to a regular individual out there, God help you. God help you indeed. <laughs> Once again, it's TJ Johnson, my good friend. He's here with us right now. Again, such a great part of what we do here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. I'm hitting him with stuff left and right before we get he to is. the meaty stuff coming up. I didn't even but, know it was coming. <laughs> yeah, but it's, you know, I got you here and I'm like thinking, I got him here. It's good to hit yeah. him up with some great stuff. <laughs> before we get to the two topics I know you want to discuss, one last thing. WWE 2K23, we talked about Resident yeah. Evil 4 that's coming up this week. WWE 2K23 kind of like stealth came out, you know, yeah, came man. out, didn't really have any big fanfare. WWE themselves wasn't really pushing it hard like mm-hmm. they normally do. I didn't see a mass amount of commercials or anything mm-hmm. like that. Uh, I think that the legacy of WWE's past or recent past mm-hmm. uh, has caught up with them. So WWE doesn't want to put both feet in the water and get burned with really bad iterations like they've had in the past this one's getting solid reviews so far right out of the gate Uh, are you planning to get it are you planning to look into it Uh, i'm still worried though with 2k still being a part of it because it's just going to me lead to mass microtransactions which still irritates me to no end but your thoughts on wwe 2k23 before we get to what you wanted to talk I don't. I don't disagree. Uh, I can understand their their trepidation and wanting to get back in bed with a WWE video game after the debacle that was WWE 2K20, and then ultimately not coming out with 21, and then re- returning with 22, uh, which actually was was pretty good. WWE 2K22 was actually pretty good, and I'm hearing very very similar things about WWE 2K23. Um, I think if I'm the WWE, I'm really going to be looking at discontinuing uh, annualized releases for this particular game. I don't think it's necessary. I don't think you need to have a new one come out every year. This is not a sports title where it's where, where you're, you're redefining these gameplay mechanics. I think what you do, and I would say this to even sports games, the, the two Ks of the world. I think you, you, you come out with the game every couple of years, you spend the first year fine tuning, maybe coming up with some of the, the newer stuff that you want to see. Um, you spend that second year, but you still come out with updates for the game and allow the game to 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 be out there in the wild for a couple years and then come out with this, uh, a sequel or a, a next version of it after two years, after three years. Just give it time for the community to to grasp the concepts of it and be prepared to move forward. I think it's no different than, than, than WWE 2K22 versus 23 and coming from the debacle the that was 2K20. Give it time. These games are 
they take a lot of work they take a lot of effort to maintain and with the things changing so frequently um you have to spend so much time changing different rosters out and you have to try to implement new gameplay elements and so on and so forth i would just say update your game put some new stuff out there not make it necessarily a live service game but just understand that it's a commitment it's a game that's going to be out for a couple years and then you're going to continue to update it and then when you have something new to really bring to the table and not just a new uh a face or just not just a new uh, version of of john cena that you want to put out there when you have something fresh to bring then you bring it i think that's one of the things that ea did very well with fight night they had fight night then they had round two round three round four champion and so on and so forth but it wasn't every year it came out every couple years and when they were ready when they had something new to to, to show then they showed it um if they didn't have anything new to show then they weren't going to just come out with another game just for the sake of coming out with the game i think that was a smarter approach i think i wish more sports titles sports entertainment titles would take note of that and just say hey when we have something new to show then we'll bring out a new game but until then let's keep supporting the game that we have you spend good money on this game that's going to continue to support you and show you that your money is going further than what you know a year is worth of entertainment is going to give you if wwe 2k23 is not substantially different from wwe 2k22 uh, it's not like it's madden it's not like it's nba 2k where it's so popular you have to have the brand new brand new one you can take a year off and just get yourself in order get what you need done and then come out with 2k uh, 24 2, uh, 2k 25 in this particular point don't be so quick to come out with another game when you know people are still trying to decide if they trust you so yeah. let's not bombard them with title after title when we don't even know if they like you yet tell you what i hope everything works out for wwe 2k23 much better than my ncaa tournament brackets <laughs> all of our brackets None yeah because that sound well hold on wait wait that that sound you heard was our ncaa tournament <laughs> brackets blowing up after a two days full of upsets so yes yeah. absolutely just you know me if you've seen my social media i always post memes right around the first couple of days because you know it, it always happens for me and you always get a dumpster fire for me <laughs> dumpster fire. And, yeah. and david david caruso walking away from an exploding car it just you know <laughs> that that represents my brackets being blown up after the first right. couple of days so yeah there you go but there before we head on out my friend uh, i know that there's two subjects you really wanted me to touch on with you and the first one obviously is a great love of mine as you can see directly behind me and that is mass effect i've always talked about my love for mass effect i'm still ready and willing to anyone out there that will listen i'm ready to develop a mass effect series and ready to put it to bed, pen to paper if anybody wants it i just want to know that you know just please i've got it ready real willing to go ahead and you know, get this, <laughs> just give me partial screenwriting credits all i ask but your thoughts on mass effect and you really wanted to go into on on what mass effect means to you and and what you see what we can develop going forward with the mass effect game on the distant horizon and maybe maybe something with mass effect in an entertainment format as well yeah man absolutely you know i, I think that was one of our very first conversations years ago was our 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 shared love of the mass effect game in general just mass effect in all its iterations one two three um obviously andromeda was not as well received uh but it's still uh, honestly it was still a pretty good game once they got the bugs worked out obviously what i was curious of or what i was what i was thinking is that you know it's been a few years since andromeda 
And we know that Andromeda really didn't touch base on anything that happened in the original trilogy. They 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 mentioned it very kind of offhandedly. Uh, Andromeda was another 675 years away from the Milky Way galaxy that Mass Effect 1 through 3 took place in. So it was a completely different area. They weren't even talking about really the Reapers or anything of that nature. Now, we've already seen the teaser trailer that they dropped last year, I want to say on N7 Day, or maybe it was the year prior to. I think it was the year prior to on N7 Day. They dropped that They dropped that teaser. I thought it was at the the Game Awards. Maybe. It was a long time ago. Okay. So yeah. it could have been the Game Awards. Way too, too long. Way it's too long. It's been too long. Yes. That's kind of my point. It's been too long. You, you, you gave us a little bit and you haven't talked to us since. That's not okay. You can't ghost us, Bioware. You yeah. can't do that. But I was looking at that trailer again and I was thinking... And obviously, it's a bit of a spoiler for anybody that hasn't played Mass Effect 3 yet. But I think what we can expect from this new Mass Effect game is that we can expect a couple of things. One, they're going to have to canonize one of the endings, right? If you look at that trailer, and if you if you pull up the actual trailer and you, and you look at it, you'll notice a couple of things. One, that's clearly Liara to Sony, who is searching through the rubble for something that has N7. Now, anything that we've seen that's had N7 on has been representative of Commander Shepard um, and the uh, Alliance. We know that that's Liara to Sony. And with us knowing that's Liara, we know that it has to take place within Liara's timeline or within Liara's lifespan. Now, with her being an Asari, we know that lifespan expectancy is about, what was it, 600, four, three, 400 years, something like that. So it, yeah. it, it's, it's a relatively long life expectancy. She wasn't, she didn't look like a matriarch at that point. You know, yeah. if you're thinking back to Mass Effect 1, we're looking at matriarch Benezza. She still Benezza. doesn't. In she that doesn't. So that would indicate that it's relatively soon to me. That indicates that it's relatively soon after the events of Mass Effect 3. For it to be, and if you look in the background, you can see a dead reaper. If you look around, you'll see wreckage everywhere, but you'll also see that you know, there is a dead reaper in the background. So for us to be at the point we have a dead reaper in the background, Liara is searching for Shepard. That would tell me that they canonized one of the three endings. You had, I'm sorry, one of the four endings. You had Synthesis, you had um, Destroy, you had um, Takeover, or where you know Shepard kind of became a, a benevolent force and just kind of took over everything um, as far as he took over the reapers. And then you had the fourth option, which nobody ever really chose, but you had the fourth option to just try to keep fighting the war conventionally, uh, where it, they, it showed you it just didn't work. So Bioware's big thing was they were making it very clear that they didn't want you to feel like the decisions that you made didn't matter, right? And we all know how that story goes. But they're going to have to do, they're, they're, they're going to have to canonize one of those endings. And the only ending that's going to make sense to canonize if we're looking at the, the clues that were given, is the destroy, which would have been the red one. It's the only one that makes sense, and it's the only one where if you actually had your military rating high enough and you hit certain benchmarks, that you got a, a brief cutscene right at the end of Shepard taking a breath. But the only way it's going to work is if the Reapers are dead, which is what the trailer showed, and if you still have Liara to Sony, who's still relatively young, searching for Shepard. I guarantee you that they have to canonize one of those endings. And the ending that they're going to canonize is going to be the control ending. Now, Bioware has also gone to great lengths to say Commander Shepard's story is done. 
And I think that that's accurate. I think the smartest thing for them to do is bring Commander Shepard back in a Anderson role where he is not the main character. He is not the person that you're with or you that you're controlling. He's kind of this overarching figure. He's this overarching presence that's in the game and that you might be able to interact with as an NPC, but I don't think you're going to be able to control him at this point. I think that the shepherd that we know is gone as far as us being able to control and, and, and take control of situations in that way, but they have to canonize that ending. And I, I think that that's what they're I ultimately just going back and looking at that trailer. I think that's what they're going to do. They're, they're, they, they have no choice that they're going to move forward with the mass effect in the Milky Way galaxy. They have to canonize that red ending. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. So before we head on out, I was thinking to myself, Self, I had a great conversation with TJ, but I guess I was racking my brain and say, you know what, brain, I'm just going to say right now that if you can, let's go ahead and squeeze some time in there for some Tron Legacy. So here he is today coming back to us before we head on out on the Lakers Fast Break podcast. No, you can find him there as well, but it is the Pop Culture Cosmos' own great friend indeed. It is TJ Johnson returning to close out the show talking about Tron Legacy because, you know, the more I thought about it, you know, this film is so highly underrated. And in listening to Bob Iger's statements earlier in regards to what's going on with the Disney universe, about how he's going to scale back a little bit on the Marvel and Star Wars side, about how he's going to scale back on Disney+, Plus, but they still have much love for Disney+. Plus. My concern is, is that where are you going to draw people in? Why are people going to come to your channel? Well, you've got to go ahead and create worthy, talkative things from your platform that people want to go ahead and attend and since you don't want to go ahead and create original new ip why and you always want to grab from the library i still think that tron is ripe for a revisiting and i understand that there's a tron film supposedly in place still with jared leto and we Mm -hmm. hear about that but you never know how that's going to end up but I still think a series would be a great way to go ahead and revisit. And the reason why I say why is because Tron Legacy back in 2010, I think was such an undervalued and underappreciated movie. It did earn $400 million at the box office. But my friend, you love it, I think, even more than I do. I think it's a really, really good (laughs) film with an outstanding soundtrack. The soundtrack is probably the one thing that's going to last the test of time with Daft Punk when they got along with each other. Still, that's the best that they probably will ever do. I know they have made some great music on mm-hmm. their own, but I think they will be mostly fondly remembered for this. Your thoughts on Tron Legacy and the legacy of Tron Legacy before we head on out. <laughs> that's I, I like how you said that, the legacy of Tron Legacy. Um, 
you know, Gerald, I, I'm right there with you. I've already expressed uh, to anybody who will listen uh, my affinity for Tron Legacy. And it's not because it was this mind-bending, spectacular, uh, un just completely reimagined world, right? It's Tron. And yeah. the beautiful thing about Tron is is the motorcycles, the leather, the 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 discs, uh disc wars, all that stuff that makes Tron great is exactly what was in Tron Legacy. I thought they did a good job of bringing it into a modern era, kind of giving us a new feel for it. I would have loved though it been it would have taken place today or would have been made for today because that uncanny valley with Clue would have been so much yeah, better. That because been. that was the beginnings of the CGI where you would make someone younger. We saw mm -hmm. the beginnings of that, and it's yeah, it, it was it, it's been rough, yeah. and we saw yeah. the beginning of that roughness then. We did, we did. I mean, it's not quite as good as them de aging Michael Douglas for Ant Man, but uh, yeah. uh, it's 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 it it was. It was still pretty new, and even at the time, I thought it was pretty awesome to see it. I mean, granted, did it look a little funny? Yeah, it looked a little funny. Um, but it was still something that we hadn't really seen much prior to that. So I thought it was still a really cool feature. Um, obviously, as you touched upon, Gerald, the soundtrack was phenomenal. Daft Punk was just incredible, and I, you know, I don't know why they went their separate ways. I didn't know that they didn't. They had a falling out. I thought it was kind of just a. It was time to do something different. Um, it's unfortunate to hear something like that, but you know, those kind of things do happen, but I can tell you when they were together, especially for this particular soundtrack, they did incredible work. I mean, the, 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 the music was so good. I think they, they were nominated for an Oscar, weren't they? Yeah. They were nominated for I, an Oscar for it. I believe so. I believe so. Yeah. So they were nominated. I don't think they won, but I think they were nominated for an uh, Oscar for it, but it was just an incredible, incredible soundtrack. You could feel every moment from the pulse pounding fight in the club to, just the the overarching theme and how they still found a way to bring in the old theme from the original Tron into the new uh, into the new film, and they did a great job of making it their own while still paying homage to it. I, I think the music is always going to be the the standout star of the movie, and that's saying something when you have a movie and a legacy as rich as uh, as Tron can potentially be, and we're still talking about things like the soundtrack, the visuals. It was just it was a great it was a great time. It's something that you can just in watch editing, in sound editing, just to let you know. They did what? The sound editing is what it was uh, for Oscar nominee for. Not for the soundtrack, but just the sound. Not editing. for the sound sound editing. Uh, yes. That's terrible. See, this is this is why we don't care about the Academy Awards, anyways. So. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you know what, Gerald? I, I I've I've loved it. I always thought it was just a good thing to put on and just enjoy uh, for what it is. You don't have to think too hard. You don't have to. It's not like it's Inception where you got to try to, to to bend your mind seven different ways to understand the plot uh, or tenant. You just you're just watching the film and you're just enjoying it for what it is, and um, it's fun. Uh, I, I, I've 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 watched it with my family multiple times. I've watched it on my own by myself with the surround sound turned way up and just enjoying it for what it was. And it's just it's a good time, man. I, I really really enjoy Tron Legacy. I really do. I like the story. I like the fact that it involved. I didn't think it was bad. Uh, no, I didn't think it was bad at all. I, I liked it. I liked the concept, yeah. the fact that an earlier version you or version that you made up uh, decides to go ahead and follow your original thought process yeah. about making the perfect society and creating the perfect perfect society, and doing anything and everything to achieve that, including backstabbing the creator himself. I really like that process. I know it does get a little bit cheesy at certain times, <laughs> but you know when it concerns you know uh, 
as far as the whole gambit of the the universe mm-hmm. especially the first half of the movie really clicks into place as you see garrett edlin just as he gets transformed into this world and and he starts you know he's familiar with what his father told him a little bit about it but yet he you see him experiencing it you know himself and and you see how well that tron universe was created as far as that first half is concerned and to me it falls apart a little bit on the back end as most movies do but i really liked what i saw overall i mean it kept me, you know, interested, intrigued throughout. And yes, the story itself, again, like I said, does fall a little bit apart in the second half. But I tell you what, it is all worth it when you see just how visually stunning yes. it is and how sad it makes you feel that the sound and the visuals were not lauded more by Hollywood more than it was. No, absolutely. I I completely agree with everything you said. And I also think one of the most underrated aspects of it is it it doesn't wear itself out. I think the movie ran about two hours, um, give or take, uh, give or take a few minutes. But it's it was a it was a lot that they did in those two hours. But you didn't feel like the movie was rushed and you didn't feel like the movie overstayed its welcome. It it came in to do its job, it told its story, and I agree with you. Uh, While I don't think the story would win any awards, I think the overall, and when you have these films, for me, films are are, are more of an experience. While I enjoy films for what they are, I really enjoy the experience of films, right? There's nothing like, there's nothing like being in the in the in the movie theater when um, Captain America picks up Mjolnir in Endgame, right? There's nothing like being in that theater for the first time. The crowd reaction, uh, it's it's an experience, and uh, my experience with 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 Tron Legacy is just that I I seen it in the theater. Um, I enjoyed it. The the, the pulse pounding sound, the visuals, everything just was just beautiful. And it it was very reminiscent to me of, of, of a lot of the games that were playing at the time. I think 2010, um, I think, I, I want to say Mass Effect, was that the first one or the second one around that time? Not 100% sure. I think no, the second that, one was around that time. Okay, so it was the second one around that time. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I was already kind of into this whole cyberpunk futuristic uh, phase in my life, if you will. And... Tron Legacy kind of fit right into that little niche. So uh, I really did enjoy it. Uh, I enjoyed the, uh, maybe not so much cyberpunk, but it fit into the futuristic niche. Uh, but I just enjoyed the atmosphere. I enjoyed the sound, the visuals, the the the, the spectacle of it. Um, like I said story was story was good. It was it it did its I job. I think the ISOs what it devolved into the ISOs as far as yeah. discovering that's, that society. That's at what that I'm saying. Like, yeah. And who the ultimately the last ISO was going to be. To try to tie that all in together, that was like, yeah. Eh, eh, but I mean, let's eh. let's be clear. It was it was a it was a, a beautiful cast. I mean, Olivia Wilde, a beautiful woman. Uh, Garrett Hedlund's a good looking guy. It was it was just a very well put together film. A well, good looking cast, great sound, great. Visuals. And of course, Jeff Bridges and Bruce Boxleit. And of there. course, Jeff Bridges. Of course, Jeff Bridges, the iconic, incomparable Jeff Bridges. Uh, it was just it was it was it was a great 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 film, and it was one that I wish more people. I think more people are enjoying it now. It's very similar to the original Tron. How it has this new mm-hmm. cult following. It didn't do super, super well at the box office. It did well enough, but it didn't do super. It wasn't yeah. mind blowing by any stretch. But what's been kind of cool to see is everybody kind of jumping on board later on in the in, in the in the process or in in its lifespan, if you will. Um, so that's been kind of fun to watch, and I'm curious to see 
it seems like it's starting to pick up some steam again. Uh, I, I think again. the advent of Disney Plus mm-hmm. has positively affected movies like this that people yes. find in the library and are drawn to. So I think that this has been personally affected in a positive manner, yeah. which may lead to more Tron down the road if Disney is going to actually steer away from as many or as much of Star Wars and Marvel as they've seen on Disney Plus and steer to either other projects. I think that they should steer and you know you and I both have talked about this mm-hmm. since they don't want to do original IP and they always want to go back to the vault. I think Tron is something that will appeal to individuals such as you and I. Oh, absolutely. I, I completely agree with that. And 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 let's be very clear, they they would be very wise to listen to the boss, right? If the CEO yeah. says let's focus on some other stuff then I think they'd be, it would behoove them to do the same thing. But he's also said in that same uh, press that they're not going to stop making content and they might even look at selling off some of that content. I mean, you look at what just happened with HBO um, selling off the rights to the, the that Batman animated show. They just gave that yeah. to Amazon. Uh, Amazon, right? So yeah, Amazon they let it go and Amazon, they, uh, the, actually, it was, it was what, Skydance? I think yep, it was going to be made through Skydance. Mm-hmm. And then J.J. Uh, Abrams, uh, he pitched a deal and he got a two-year commitment from Amazon on it. Yep. So, I mean, we can see something very, very similar. I think FX being part of Fox and now being a part of Disney is going to be an avenue that they use to kind of look at some of these other properties that they can kind of push off and sell to other uh, companies to get them to to enjoy the content. So it's not like while they'll be focusing, they'll be narrowing their production as far as what's going on to their channel, their subscription. It doesn't mean that they're going to stop producing content. And it doesn't mean that they're going to stop trying to figure out other ways to bring in revenue by selling that property off to other locations or other subscription services. So what is the legacy of Tron Legacy as we head on out? The legacy of Tron Legacy will be the iconic sounds, the incredible visuals, the world building that is Tron, the potential for even more stories in the Tron universe. Because the animated Out- series is so underrated that people uprising, need to check yeah. out there as well. Yep, yep, absolutely. So there's there's so much more to this world of Tron that I'm excited to see where it goes moving forward. I kind of want to spend more time in the universe, the world of Tron, less time in the real world. Not that the real world part was bad in Legacy, I want to be very clear. I thought it was all very good. But I want to see light cycles. I want light cycles. I want disc wars. I want all the stuff that made Tron cool back then and still makes Tron cool to this day. I mean, you can still go to different games like Grand Theft Auto and they'll find ways to incorporate light cycles into the Grand Theft Auto of all games. So it just goes to show you that it it goes beyond just the films. It goes into pop culture as a medium in general. And uh, it's a good time, man. I I really enjoyed it for what it was and I'd love to see them do it again. I think Jared Leto was attached to the the next one if they are going to do it or however they plan on doing it. I don't know if Garrett Hedlund is going to be attached to it. I think he should be. Uh, I thought he was yeah. awesome in Tron Legacy, so I, I would like to see him continue that, but you know, that doesn't always work out that way, so we'll see. My friend, TJ, it's just been great having you on the show once again, talking about Tron Legacy. You know we're going to get together soon to talk more pop culture. Just can't wait. Always a pleasure, my brother. I appreciate you. Wishing all the best for you and the family from all of us right here at the Pop Culture. Cosmos.